Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Let's make sure the phone is on vibrate time. It was not time. Glad I checked that before we got like 20 minutes into this thing time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday night, a chilly Monday night here in Knoxville, Tennessee at Fort Rucker Studio. I know it's been another, uh, just just a, a month that has been awful and a year that's been awful, continues to get awful. There was another line of storms that came through. Uh, Tennessee and lots of other parts in the southeast. I know lots of damage, especially down there in the Chattanooga area where I used to live. Thoughts, prayers out to everyone down there. Hope you're okay. And I know this is a really crappy time for this to be happening with everything, with the quarantine and everything. So hope everybody out there is doing okay, or at least the best that you can be doing. Not just me on this podcast. Uh, we've got uh, our own Grant Ramey from the Go Vols 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office, the man who... Uh, basically social distance before it was cool. What's up, Grant? I saw a tweet today that said, uh, you know, quote, tweet, or whatever, four words of wisdom, and I wanted to quote, tweet with, quarantine is vastly underrated. <laughs> it's not been quite so bad. Not been... I need to share it. This is, I was quarantining before quarantining was, I don't know, cool, forced. In demand, whatever. We could probably design that. My wife designs things. I'll get her to look into that. Uh, guys, quickly, before we get going here, I do want to tell you that we've had a couple of slight audio issues. Uh, I'm not sure which end it's on. So uh, regardless, uh, you may hear a little bit of a distortion or some fading or something in there, some some breaking up. Hopefully, we'll get that contained as much as we possibly can. So uh, just go ahead and get that out there on the front end and tell you what we're doing here in this podcast episode. We are opening up a mailbag. It's been too long. I've had on the budget... Uh, the past couple of weeks that we were going to do one of these episodes and, you know, one thing led to another, even during a quarantine, that's never going to stop news from happening at Tennessee. There's been commitments. There, there's been players leaving the portal, players uh, transferring to Tennessee. Uh, there's been all kinds of interesting things going on. So uh, this was finally the time we could get to it. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to get to a lot of different questions that we got on our board there at Go Boss 24-7's checkerboard. We're also going to get to ones that we got to on social media. But before we get to that, Grant, uh, anything on your mind? Anything uh, anything that's been stewing around that brain of yours since the last time you've been on this podcast? Uh, since we started this podcast, you mentioned the ringers on your phone. Uh, I really yeah. feel like there's two kinds of people in the world, the ringer types and the vibrate-only types. Like, I've never had my ringer on, ever. I just live the vibrate life. Yeah, I try to, but then, like, I'll miss texts from important people. Uh, and, and like not and by, by important, I mean like no, you, our bosses. You don't, you don't hear the vibrate? Um, yeah, uh, just you don't like, hear the vibrate? Not always, no, no, I really don't. 
and I don't, I don't know why I don't. Uh, I just, I just don't. I guess I'm oblivious to some things. It's selective hearing, uh, as my mother used to call it. So I don't I feel like I've launched myself into a Larry David moment here. Uh, it's possible. I mean, what else are we doing in this time, though? I mean, that that's really, really, really digging into something that just does not matter. That's what we're doing. We're on what week four, week fourteen. I don't know how the hell long have we been quarantining. It's been, I don't know, yeah, a while. Um, Sunday. Sunday was a uh, a month from the day we got back from the SEC tournament. There you go. I'm sorry. Um, the the day after, so like the the that Friday, March 12th, was like the first, I guess, official day. No sports. Everything's canceled, and so we made it a month. Congrats. Yeah, we made it one month, and um, it it, it hopefully won't be that much longer, but it uh, it seems like it might be. So uh, we'll. We'll keep tracking all that. And I tell you, man, today, this was the first day. This is a Monday that we're recording this. Monday, April 13th, 2020. I'm talking about this like it's a Nova or Frontline episode. Um, but it, it, it's like this was the first day that I was sitting around thinking like, I'm kind of frustrated now. Like I'm a little bit, like there's, I don't know why. Like it wasn't even like the nicest weather day. It was kind of cool outside. The storms were bad yesterday. I just kind of, today was the first day where I was like, man, there's nothing going on. I don't know. Well, with a two-year-old and a five-year-old, I got to that point about a month ago from Sunday. So. Yeah, I can, I can understand. Roughly about three hours after I got home from Nashville. <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, we'll get to these questions now. We've got a bunch of them that came in through the checkerboard and the ones that came in through the Twitter machine there on Twitter.com. We'll try to get to as many of them as we possibly can, and we will shout out uh, the people uh, who, who asked them. Uh, I guess we'll start here with Jack Vol 12 here on uh, – actually, is it J-A-C Vol or Jack Vol 12? I've never been really sure on that because it could be like a – like a like Initials thing? Yeah, it could be initials. It could be like someone who lives in Jacksonville. I don't really know. Is it a soft C? I don't, I don't really know. Anyways, here's the question, <laughs> and it's a really, really interesting one, I think, um, because it kind of relates to what I was just talking about but on a much larger level, obviously. Here's a question. College coaches live a life of working around the clock, constant travel, constantly recruiting, etc., and now they're forced to be home. How are they adjusting to such a radical change, and how are their families adjusting? I'm out of town typically five, six days a month, and my wife would probably, uh, my wife would probably want to break from me seeing, seeing me 24-7, and I can't imagine how a change as drastic as college coaches are experiencing now. I'm not suggesting it's negative. I'm just curious as to how everyone is dealing with it. That's a really interesting question. Where do you want me to start? I'll uh, start basketball. Yeah. Uh, Rick Barnes learned how to make corn dogs yeah, at right. length. Uh, Kim English, his assistant coach, uh, if you follow him on Instagram and in his Instagram stories, he actually came up with a game in his backyard. He's got a two-story house, whatever. He faces the house, and he's got two small children as well. He's got a ball in his hand. I think it's like a soccer ball, a volleyball, something. Throws it on the roof of the house. You have to go touch the house with one hand, run back, catch the ball uh, before it rolls off the roof. And he did that for like a week. And then the, the one of the next Instagram stories, or one of the funniest, was he was on the complete other side of the house and tried to launch it all the way over the two-story house, about hit a kid in the backyard. Uh, and got scolded by his wife pretty heavily on the Instagram story all before it ended. So, wow, uh, there's two pretty good examples. That's productive. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is very, very different. I mean, these coaches, and again, I, I, I think I should probably stress this from the beginning. Uh, Rick Barnes, uh, in the way he is with himself and with his staff, they're really dedicated to what they do. But they have as close to a solid work-life balance as I think you'll see from people at this level. Uh, I, I don't think they're the type usually to to kind of you know go crazy or or you know just work twenty four seven all the time. I, I think he, he, I don't know if he still does this, but I know his first couple of years at Tennessee, he would tell his assistants, you know, for a week or so at a time in the summer, I, I don't want to see you. Go home. Uh, go be with your family. This is the off season. Relax a little bit. It's the summer. Go recruit. Go do what you need to do. I don't want to see you in the office. So that is more or less an exact 180 of just about every SEC slash college football coach I've ever been around. Uh, That's just a very, very different thing. So I think they're a little bit different from the rest. But even then, I mean, Barnes is doing exactly what I thought he would be doing. He's sitting there trying to figure out how to make corn dogs. Now, how long can he sit there and keep twiddling his thumbs? I I don't know, because he's not the most patient guy in the world. Like, I think for a couple days, he'd probably be like, this is awesome. And then he'd be like bouncing off the walls. So I I don't know. I mean, plus he likes to go out about town and get, you know, he goes to all these diners and stuff and likes to get, you know, go out and get lunch and talk to people. And he can't really do that right now. So that's got to be driving him crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it might be driving um, Candy Barnes more crazy. than She she might be the one uh, that had the thought of, oh, man, this is going to be awesome for the first couple of days. And then maybe after that, she's like, get this guy out of my hair, get him back in the uh, prep pavilion, get him occupied with his basketball team. Cause, so maybe maybe she's the one. Uh, being crazy, Jeremy Pruitt was actually on radio in Nashville Monday afternoon, and they kind of asked him a question similar to this. And uh, it was an interesting response. He said, you kind of want to do what your wife knows you can do around the house, but you don't really want to show her that you can do anything outside of that. Oh gosh! Kind yes. of frame, because you don't want to increase the demands on yourself. Which uh, the man may not know what asparagus was or is, but that was a that was a wise statement. Yeah, the other day uh, I had to I cooked a dish that my wife normally cooks or whatever. Um, or, or, but since it's we're not doing as much right around now, and she's probably been working you know more hours than I have recently. We've both been working, but she's been doing crazy hours and stuff with all the academic stuff they're going through. And so basically, long story short, I cooked a meal that she normally cooks and she really liked it a lot. And was like, wow, you should be the one who cooks this from now on. And I was thinking, you know, I could have messed that up of all the things that I do wrong all the time. I could have done that one wrong and that would have been one less thing I'll ever have to do. So, I mean, I I can imagine that it's like that for these coaches on some level, too, because I've laughed a lot recently at the thought of a guy of Jeremy Pruitt sitting there trying to like break down like he's looking at all these defenses and all these offenses and he's breaking down these schemes and he's taking notes and all of a sudden and then you got like three small children just like pounding on the door and going into the room and he's like trying to like I would say pull his hair out but he doesn't have any so (laughs) he's probably just sitting there just like venting a little I I can just imagine a situation like that and that guy loves his family but I can imagine these guys are not used to having their families in their hair so much. And that has to be different for them, like a lot different because they love their families. They love being around them. But a lot of times it's their families coming by the office to say, hey, you know, they go sneak out to games whenever they can uh, to see their children play. Uh, they try to get home maybe, you know, either at least for breakfast or for bedtime, one or the other. And, and now it's like uh, they're just there all the time. That has to be crazy different for them. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, in in you know, under normal circumstances, it's it's almost like you don't go home to visit your family. Your family comes to the complex to visit you because it's almost like, I mean, these guys are paid obviously handsomely, very very well. They, they do not go without, but they earn their money <laughs> in the insane. Uh, hours they work and the insane demands on their job and just the complete environment. I mean, you're, you're living at the complex, basically. I mean, coaches have couches in their office for a reason. I'm sure there's so many nights a year where these guys just stay at the complex instead of going home because of the workload on their plate. Nothing nothing wrong at home or anything you're avoiding there. It's just you've got so much work to do constantly, 24-7 around the clock. And now, hey, for the last month, there's nothing. I mean, uh, at least they can stay occupied uh, with Zoom or whatever. Somebody on our board on Sunday uh, on the checkerboard said it would be interesting to know how Fulmer would have handled this, you know, in his heyday 20 years ago when there was no Zoom. I mean, how do you even, you know, connect with your players? Is it, you know, a certain allowance of time each week on a landline or something like that? So at least there is a little semblance of normalcy with, having meetings now four hours a week, I believe you can spend with players in meetings uh, and they do their academic stuff and tutor stuff through zoom as well. So uh, it's kind of crazy, but they're at least they're trying to find a little bit of a routine, I guess. Yeah. The best way, the best thought I could come up with on that was that I bet Fulmer, if I had to guess, and I'd love to ask him this question and I will whenever I get a chance to, but I imagine he would probably start with the, probably like the senior leaders on the team or, or some of his upperclassmen leaders kind of each position or his guys on the team, I bet he would be in more contact with them and he would rely on them to then talk to the others or something like that. I mean, you'd almost have to play a game of telephone like that because there's no way like 110, 120, whatever many guys, 85 scholarship guys that you can sit there and talk to all of them every single day. There's just no way to do that. So yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I also wonder what Brian Niedermeyer is doing because he doesn't, you know, not married, doesn't have kids, so he's just like sitting around his house, like zooming people. I mean, I wonder, I wonder what he's doing right now. So I, I often wonder what you people with no kids just sitting there enjoying your own free time are doing. I mean, you you've got to by this point have reached the end of Netflix. Like, there's just nothing left. Uh, um, your PlayStation has to be smoking by this point. Just you know, about yeah. to catch fire. I mean, this is yeah. This I, is the things I sit around and think about. I upgraded from two to three greenhouses here in the backyard. If that's if that's what you're wondering, just waiting for the grass to grow and gl- growing all kinds of different you know vegetables. And I need flowers. I need to downgrade from two to zero children. There you go. There you go. The uh, well, I mean, there's a big backyard here. You can just let them just close the door and let them run around for a while. It's fenced in. They're not going to get in any trouble. <laughs> That sounds like a challenge. Yeah, and they're they're both uh and they're both way bigger than our dog. So there you go. So that that's one thing you could do at this point. Uh, next question. Yeah, I got got a good one here. And again, we don't do a ton of recruiting on here. We do some recruiting, um, but we try to keep a lot of that behind the paywall there at GoVols twenty four seven. But uh, we do some of these things, uh, discuss them in the public sphere. So we'll do this one. A good question from Gaffney VFL eighty nine. Recruiting question. Who do you think pops for the Vols first on the commitment trail, Junior Colson or Julian Nixon? Uh, Junior Colson is the uh, obviously four-star outside linebacker uh, out of Brentwood. Um, it's it's kind of two different things here. Uh, and, and with Julian Nixon, you know, a, a four-star uh, wide receiver out of, out of Roswell, Georgia. With uh, Julian Nixon, he's probably he's more of the Tennessee lean here, but he doesn't really have a – timetable that's kind of out there that he's put out there that has surfaced with Colson. He has more of a timetable. Uh, I believe it's late May, if I'm not mistaken, 
but it's not necessarily as much of a lean or a sure thing for Tennessee or uh, kind of anything going down that road. So um, if I was a betting man and, and what I would give to have live sports to bet on at this moment, Goodness um, gracious, I, would, yes. I would probably go Julie Nixon just because it feels like that's more of a Tennessee lean. Uh, even though you don't know when the timetable is for him or there's nothing really out there, uh, I think I would put my money on the, the Julian Nixon train. Yeah, I almost uh, I almost never say never when it comes to recruiting because it's these are kids and you never know what they're going to do. But from what you said, I, I, I think Nixon probably would be a safer bet as far as those go. Uh, and again, as the NCAA says, don't bet on it. Um, but uh, but if <laughs> safe, you... Safe. A safer bet in recruiting uh, is an oxymoron. That's true. That's a really good point. But, yeah, I think Nixon's probably a better better answer there. Next question from our good old friend Blake Digits uh, on GoVoss247. I call him that because he's Blake11367, uh, which is a lot, of, a lot of numbers. So we just call him Blake Digits. And he usually has some pretty good questions. And, and here's one, too. Uh, linebacker question. Is Quaveris Crouch inside or outside? Is Peterson inside or outside? Which of those two has the best chance to start? And will Tennessee have to rely on the Whitehaven guys for help at linebacker this year? That's a great, like, quadrant of questions there. I'll, uh, I'll handle the first half. I think Crouch could go inside or outside. Uh, and I think that's what you love about him. Not only is he versatile uh, as a guy that can play linebacker or be a third down short yardage back for you, but he's a guy that can play multiple uh, linebacker positions in this uh, in this defensive set, uh, and with J.J. Peterson, you know, how many times have the questions been there about him? The way I think I would think about him is almost like when your favorite NFL team has a top ten pick in the draft, and they just take a terrible first round pick in the top ten, uh, and that player is not good from the start, and he's never really going to be good, but always in your head. He's a first-round pick. So, J.J. Peterson could step up at any point and, and be a presence on this team and, and really do something. Uh, but this whole time in your head, you're thinking, man, he was a really highly rated prospect. What's going on there? Uh, so, maybe he'll get on there and do something. But uh, that's that's kind of what the situation reminds me of. You're just waiting on this guy to, uh, to step up and kind of live up to something, some kind of standard, and, and you just never know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. Yeah, I think on those questions, I think uh, for Crouch, I think of him as both. I don't think that's an or. I think that's an and. Uh, and when, when Pruitt got to Tennessee, and, and I talked to some people who, who knew him pretty well, uh, had, had covered him at places like Bama and Florida State, and he they play that you know 3-4 kind of base defense, although most people are in freaking nickel these days anyway. But, I mean, you know they play that kind of four-linebacker defense, and they want four-for-four four linebackers. What I mean by that is they want to recruit guys who could play any four of those spots. And I think Crouch is one of those guys that they got who could do that. Now, Batuli was one of those, but he just kind of mostly stayed inside. He'd go kind of when they played Buck or whatever, he'd go out there and, and rush the passer a little bit when, when they had a little more depth. Uh, but uh, he's a guy who uh, – Crouch is a guy who could play both. I think it might be the best-case scenario for Tennessee, in, in my opinion – is if Crouch steps up next to Toto Toe and he is, those two are like just a real kind of really good inside duo. That would probably be the best case scenario for Tennessee because if if Crouch kind of has to go outside more than you'd like or if he, you know, maybe doesn't really, you know, he's not really efficient water when he's that inside linebacker, he's just better outside, then the, they're going to have to think about 
Is there somebody else to move there? Are you going to play a guy like Page who's undersized? Are you going to hope against hope? You know, you're going to hope that Jeremy Banks gets back in there and uh, gets, which again, he might do. He, he might, he, he's been going through the process and there's a chance, a decent chance that he's back. Um, so you rely on him kind of not, not missing a beat uh, from where he was. Uh, so, so there's a, there's a chance there. Um, so I, I think that's the case with Crouch. I, I think there's a, there's, he's going to play no matter where he is if he's healthy. And I think his shoulder should be good. Uh, and then with Peterson, uh, he's an inside linebacker, in my opinion. I, I just think that's where they prefer him to be. And uh, I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast episode that, that I recorded with with our, our coworker, Patrick Brown. The, one of the problems with Peterson is he, he just he's one of those guys that the longer you're away from from you know, being in the weight room, you know, I don't know that he's a, a real self-starter. I think just the way he showed up and he was out of shape, and that, that might not be fair because he showed up so much later than his classmates, but he just showed up and he kind of he kind of had a belly. He, he wasn't in, in really good football shape, and they kind of worked really hard to get him back there, and then I'd hate to think of them going away for this kind of quarantine period, and then they come back and they have to start from zero there. So I hope that that doesn't happen with him. Uh, for all I know, he comes back looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I, I don't know, but I, I just, you know, there's a chance that you, that in my opinion, with the history there, you'd kind of worry what kind of shape he comes back into. Uh, in terms of which one has a better chance to start, that's definitely Crouch, in my opinion. Uh, and I think the last question there, uh, will they have to rely on the Whitehaven guys for help at linebacker this year? The easy answer is that if they're better than the options that Pruitt has already, yes, they will. If they are the best options to help the team in Pruitt's opinion, they're going to play. Uh, the question is, though, uh, would that mean that they're the best because they're just showed up ready to go or because the other guys that were already there weren't good enough. So I don't really know the answer to that. My guess would be that at least a couple of them will be on the field through special teams. I don't know that they'll redshirt. I think two of the three probably won't redshirt. Um, and we'll see what happens with McDonald because of all the different things where he could go. Um, but those two big guys, I mean, there's a chance they might need them to play not just on special teams, but on defense. I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, Pruitt has said within the last couple of weeks when talking about these young guys, not specifically these linebackers, but just freshmen in general who are missing uh, a lot of important time right now that uh, when you do show up, A, it's going to de- depend on what you've done and how you've taken care of your body and tried to at least stay in some kind of shape uh, through this off season where, you know, obviously it's, it's uncertainty and different circumstances chances for every single player across college football depending on why you're kind of stuck here but it's it's not only about that but it's 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 what you know when you get there and you know how much of the playbook do you know and and i think most importantly just how much can you execute like he's the best option at position he's not going to hesitate to put somebody out there i mean you can go back and look at the position battles in the past uh, under this staff, even the quarterback battle, as much as they juggled that last season, they're going to play the guy that they feel like gives them the best chance to win. They don't care how many times they have to make a change, how many times they have to go back and forth between changes. Uh, they're going to they're going to do what they have to do. And I, I didn't even answer the first, I guess, two parts, the first half of the question. Um, I think Crouch for sure starts before Peterson. And Peterson, I think for sure, as much as you want those four-by-four four four linebackers that you mentioned, he's an inside guy uh, through and through. Uh, we got a few more that came from the board, and we're going to get to one of them, and then we're going to go to break because I think the one after that will 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 take a little bit more time. 
uh, to discuss, even though certainly the first question could as well. So before we go to break, we'll get to this one. It's another good question from Gaffney VFL 89. Best Morgan Freeman movie, Glory or Shawshank Redemption? And I got to tell you, Gaffney, you You just just named You want to go ahead and tell this story? Two Two of my five favorite movies of all time. Right there. No, I thought you were going to tell the tell on me on on my story. No, no, that that's up to you. That's up to you. If you want to, if you want to admit that publicly, you can, or we can just gloss over it. I've admitted it publicly, and I'm not ashamed of it. Listen, I'm that guy, in in every everybody probably knows this guy who hasn't seen all the movies that everybody else has seen, the cultural iconic films, uh, and I didn't see Shawshank Redemption until last fall. <laughs> I did. I Go did. Ahead. I'm glad. Get your laughs. No, I'm. I'm. I'm just. Get him, I'm just. Get him gl- in before the break. I'm glad that the first time you admitted that you were driving and not me on to one of those SEC basketball games, or I might have run off the road. Uh, that that would. I don't even remember when that was. I I don't remember which exact game we were going to or from, but we were in the car when it first came up. And I remember. Just FYI, it's on TNT a lot. I just remember almost being like personally offended, being like, you know what? I'm. I'm not. I just. It was hard to let that hard to let that go but you know what to each their own and, and the longer that i've learned the longer that i've lived the longer or the better that i'm learning to just kind of let people live their lives the way they want to live them so a, a quick story on that before the break there is an associate athletic director at the university of tennessee yes who um his responsibility basically is taking care of the basketball program that's what he oversees he's the most calm steady even kill emotionalist guy just he's just kind of there uh i can identify with him a lot yeah um but one day before a football game in the fall uh, the day after i'd seen that movie for the first time somebody told this associate athletic director that i had just seen Shank redemption for the first time and the guy just lost it i think he threw down his hat and he never reacts to anything and to this day when i see him the first thing he says, Shawshank was on TNT the other night. I hope you saw it. <laughs> I, I was there. I think it was after the. It was either after the Ole Miss or Missouri games. I think they won both of those. When uh, he walked by, I think it was at Missouri. Maybe when he walked by and we were talking to players, we were interviewing guys, and he just bumped you on the back and he just like said Shawshank, and then he just kept walking. <laughs> that was all he did. He's kind of he's kind of stopped an interview to bump you on the shoulder and then say Shawshank. And then he just kind of kept walking. And I got a, I got a kick out of that one. Uh, I'll be honest, those are two of my five favorite movies of all time. They are very easily on my Mount Rushmore plus one. I absolutely love both of those movies. Glory is one of the few movies that gets like an emotional, like I actually will cry sometimes watching that movie. I think it's so beautiful and such a great movie. I'm going to go with Glory there um, because I just kind of love war movies too. And I, that, that might be the tiebreaker for me. But I don't know, man. They're both they're both such good movies. I might go with Glory, but they're they're. That'd be like uh, be like asking me uh, which of my children that I don't have that I like the best. I think uh, I think I would rank Shawshank number one because I've never seen Glory. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you know what? Glory Glory's on the level of I think you should see it, and I think everyone should see it. But I'm not going to be like, wow, you've never seen that. I'm not going to guess what. It. Everybody wants to make fun of the guy who's never seen anything. But I got a whole lot of quarantine in front of me, and I've never seen The Wire, and I've never seen The Sopranos. The best I've you ever seen. Made, the Wire. 
all this stuff and it's going to be like brand new to me. It's true. The one I think I've, I've seen the wire end to end three times. I think it's the greatest show that's ever been made. So that's just my opinion, but we're overdue for a break guys. We're going to get to that. We're going to go pay some bills. We're going to listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things. We're going to come back. We still got a few more good mailbag questions that we're going to get to going to open it up to the social media sphere as well. So uh, just hang with us and uh, hang with our audio issues. And we will be right back in just one second. Hashtag. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. But we appreciate the people who do that. We know it's easy to hit that fast-forward button, and we appreciate it when you don't do that. That helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at 24-7 Sports, helps us at Go Vols 24-7, uh, and, and who knows, it might even help you. Uh, you're sitting around the quarantine right now. You, you're looking for, as Grant said, you're looking for new things to watch or new things to listen to. Uh, maybe something, a show that you've never heard of before, and you're like, that sounds fun. I, I, I want to... You know, it's like the soup du jour in uh, in uh, Dumb and Dumber. That sounds good. I'll have that. Maybe maybe you hear something that you that you you didn't think you'd like, and you're like, man, I want I'm gonna look into that. So you never know. Uh, it helps us out, and, and you might be helping yourself out too. Also, apologies uh, again. While this is the apology episode of the podcast, apparently. My voice has been shot now for like five consecutive weeks and dealing with this bronchitis and stuff. And the hashtag ad is getting tough for me because my voice isn't able to really hit that kind of soft, silent note right now. So apologies. It sounds even worse than usual. Grant, we got a good question, though, uh, for this one. Uh, This is from a 2015 105 vol. That's a lot of digits also. Uh, A couple of uh, I think this is a really good question. I think Grant really said he liked this question, too. A couple of good ones. Uh, we'll start with this one. Which coaches that you've covered can take a joke, and which ones would you never think about pranking? Um, Rick Barnes can certainly take a joke yes. um, as long as it's not, you know, 15 minutes after a pretty tough loss. That's about the only time you see him really uh, agitated, upset, um, kind of not in the mood. Otherwise, um, he's usually he's the one trying to um, kind of, poke everybody else and, and try to um, get a laugh. Um, if you want me to go to the second one as well, favorite assistant coaches. Uh, I've been around basketball more than, than anything, um, but, I mean, all the guys that have worked for uh, Barnes basically have been, uh, you know, obviously very open, um, very candid, very, you know, friendly, respectable. There, there really hasn't been a bad one. Uh, in the bunch, Mike Schwartz, uh, the current associate head coach, um, 
he's a Los Angeles kid, uh, Los Angeles guy who loves to talk uh, Braves baseball. I'm trying to convert him into a Braves fan. Uh, he grew up a Dodgers fan, um, yeah. so that's always a topic of conversation. And Kim English, too. Back when that was a division uh, just, rivalry, too. Right, and uh, Kim English, you know, he hadn't been here very long either, but he's a he's a guy that's, you know, easy to get along with. A young guy, it's, it's different because he's so young, uh, and he connects with these players so much because he was so accomplished as a basketball player himself and he's not very far removed from that basketball career so um just about everybody in the basketball program coaching staff or have been personable um enjoyable guys to be around yeah i'll co-sign what you said about those assistant coaches on barn staff they've all been really good i really really um uh, got on well with rob lanier uh he's always been uh always been a good dude and always been a guy that I enjoyed talking to about different things. I, I'll go back a little bit further in that too. Um, and one of them now at least is a head coach. Um, uh, I really, really enjoyed Steve Forbes uh, when he was Bruce Pearl's associate head coach. I, you could tell he was a great basketball mind, um, but he was also just kind of a fun guy to talk to. You know, Forbes would be up there on the list of like guys that, you know, you, you'd like to sit down and kind of have a beer with. And, and I still, it's funny, like every, just about every time I catch up with the guy now, he's like, come on up here and watch practice, man. Like, you know, he's at, he's at ETSU. Uh, they, they'd like all the attention they can have, you know, usually, but they've been doing a great job up there. Uh, I don't think that it'll be long before he, he's at a bigger program because no offense to ETSU, but and the guy's winning and he's love he's loves life up there. Um, but, but he's winning at a high level. Um, that stuff with the Pearl era, that stuff's I think water under the bridge now in terms of, his um, ability to be hired at a big program because he's he's been he's kind of paid his penance for some of that stuff. So I think he and Jason Shea both um, are, are kind of going kind of trending back up in their careers now. I think it's good to see because they're both good dudes and good basketball coaches. Uh, on the football side, I would say um, maybe David Cutcliffe uh, would be up there on the list. Uh, he was he's always uh, been a very very straightforward guy, very honest guy. You knew what you were going to get with him. Uh, that 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 was. Um, he was just he was just a good dude, and I think his players felt the way they did about him for a reason. Any time that you can be as hard on your guys as he was, and they still love you, you, you know you're a pretty good dude. And uh, Cutcliffe is a guy who who I enjoyed covering from from the football side of things. Uh, to the first question there, let's see here. Uh, I think we all know the one to not prank uh, would be the one who probably is the most prankable of the bunch, and that would have been Bush Jones. Uh, he just. Um, He's kind of tightly wound, uh, and, and he's just not. Uh, he, he he he's not. Um, he doesn't he doesn't like the poking and the prodding so much. That's uh, some some people can take it and some can't, and I and I don't I don't think that he was necessarily great about taking it. Now he was fighting for his job, and I get that, and that was the most pressure he'd ever been under. But um, yeah, it was a little bit before that too. He just he, he's a lot better at uh, dishing it out than taking it. I'll I'll put it that way. Uh, in terms of coaches that could take a joke, I think Barnes is up there on that list. Uh, I think that, um, to a certain extent, Fulmer was. Fulmer's always been pretty self-aware. When you get down to it, he he he's, he can be kind of a funny guy. Uh, I really, really enjoyed um, dealing with Conzo Martin. I think I saw a side of him that not a lot of people got to see. I think he's the best dude that I've ever covered in terms of just, like, the quality, the content of his character. And uh, he, he's a guy that... Um, that uh, was funnier than a lot of people would let on. He'd kind of be quiet, and he'd be sitting there like a kind of like a sniper in the weeds, and he'd poke up and say something, and you're like, okay, that's pretty funny. Uh, he kind of had that quality about him. Uh, but there have been some of these other guys. I mean, Tony Vitello is kind of up on that list too already. He's he's a great interview. You know, he's a guy who who's uh, who's – I think enjoyable to be around the, the little bit of time that I've spent around him. So Bruce Pearl could take a joke most of the time. 
uh, he, he would always, uh, I'll never forget like the, the Pearl thing. Like there was one day, uh, I guess it had been a few weeks or whatever and I uh, hadn't seen him. And I was just sitting there in the arena and I guess my beard had, had started growing longer and longer and I hadn't seen her talk to him in a few weeks or anything. And he just walks up out of nowhere and he goes, you look like a bleeping hobo. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, well, there's Bruce Pearl. Yeah. So, uh, appreciate that. Yeah. And I was like, uh, are you, are you like a supermodel yourself back there, Fabio? Like, what are you doing? So, uh, you know, yeah, but I mean, it, it was just, he, he, he was a fun guy to be around, um, most of the time. So I would, I would put him up there too. So that's, um, that's probably the ones that I mentioned. Plus, and speaking about beards, my quarantine beard now is getting, I haven't like trimmed my beard this whole time during the quarantine. My wife absolutely hates it. So, yeah. That's pretty gross. Yeah. Probably got stuff living in there. I might want to handle that. Yeah, getting a little Duck Dynasty-ish. We'll see how that works. They, I did a thing pretty, on... The, it's pretty punk rock. Yeah, it is pretty punk rock. I uh, got got a thing on uh, the... I think it'll be aired, I think, tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night on WBIR, talking about some of the best games I've ever covered at Tennessee, and I, I warned them ahead of time. I was like, you, you're probably even less than usual. You're going to you're gonna really, really not like what you see. So, let's go uh, live to Wes Rucker under the underpass. <laughs> let's go live to Wes and uh, let's come right back to the studio. Uh, that's uh, uh, we're having problems with the video. We'll just stick to audio here and use a use a picture. Yeah, I can imagine that they'll do that. Uh, I think this will be the final one before we go to social media. These will be the one. This is, I think, the final one. Uh, a couple of them. Actually, no, we got two more. First one, uh, G Drennan two said, "What's the best thing about being self isolated? What's the worst?" I think Grant's pretty much said everything about it's the best. Yeah, I miss going a couple places, uh, but outside of that, I'm going to be really sad when this is over. <laughs> you know, the only thing that really, really bothers me is that um, I don't like to mention brands and, like, companies that don't sponsor us. Or, or free ads. Yeah, like, I don't just like to give away things like that because, you know, I mean, you got to be, be worth something. Uh, but I'll be honest about this. I love Publix. I absolutely love Publix. I, it, it just, every time I go, like my wife joked, whatever, you know, we're talking about when we're going to get married, you know, where would the reception be? I was like, let's just have it at a Publix. She shut that down pretty quick, but, uh, I just, I love going there and like, you know, I'm like, I want to go there, pick up a couple things. I like to go a couple times a week. And really for the first few weeks, I was so sick that my wife would, would go instead of me to the store for obvious reasons. Uh, and I just kind of miss going to Publix, man. I do. I kind of like, you know, going to there and picking out what you want for dinner, and then you see something else you want. Now you got to, like, plan this stuff way in advance. But you have kids, so you probably have to do that all the time anyway. Yeah, we got to go, uh, we got to go, like, once a week and test the limits of how many gallons of milk you can buy uh, at one time. <laughs> like, do you, are, are you, uh, it's did, definitely not Publix either. <laughs> did the car, did the car, uh, did, like, <laughs> I, I, there's a dairy joke there. I'm missing it somewhere. I don't know. I'll come back to it later. Uh, last question. F F H S Vol. Uh, will Kirby Smart win a national championship in the next four years? That's a really good question. I'm going to say no because I'll have to kind of see it to believe it. I think he's got a chance to, um, but they've had good chances uh, the past couple of years and have not made it happen. So uh, they keep recruiting at such a stupid high level that it, would it surprise me? No, not at all. They're going to be one of the most talented teams in college football as long as he's there, I think. Um, but you know, getting to that, you know, kind of, kind of has those moments in those big games that, you know, he just kind of hadn't made the right calls when he's needed to. And I think until he gets over that hump, I don't know that he's going to win one. Um, I think the obvious answer, the, the, the one that pops up first is just no, because it hasn't happened yet. And it just seems to not happen for Georgia. 
um, for whatever reason. But the more you kind of think about it, the more you lean towards, yeah, maybe because he's already been to a college football playoff final um, once and was, what, second and 26 away from, yeah. you know, some, something different happening in that game. Um, and now he's recruiting at such a higher level, it seems like he, they just keep kind of, you know, one-upping themselves. But as long as Nick Saban's at Alabama and as long as Dabo Sweeney's at Clemson, um, good luck trying to take advantage of both of those teams in the same season. Um, it doesn't matter how high you recruit or, or kind of, you know, where you are in the rankings. It's almost like Clemson and Alabama are drafting guys. They're not recruiting like everybody else. And um, it's, it's just as much as those guys are rolling right now, where they are as good of a job as Kirby's done in terms of um, building something at Georgia, kind of carrying on what was already built and recruiting at even a higher level, higher, higher level as he stays there, it's going to be really difficult to win one. Yeah. The law of averages says that you keep getting there. You're going to win one, right? I mean, stories like the Buffalo bills don't happen very often. Normally, I mean, I don't think maybe they do, but I, in my opinion, they don't tend to happen that way. Like normally if you get there a bunch of times, uh, you're you're gonna win one, you know. So I mean, it, it, it's but but then again, I mean, you say like, you know, Rick Barnes has been to so many NCAA tournaments. You know, why not more Final Fours? I, I don't I don't have a great answer for that. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. Uh, but I think the the longer that that Kirby keeps being there, you know, how how much longer does Saban want to be at Georgia? I don't know. I mean, the, to me, the Georgia program is historically Georgia and Texas for me are the most kind of baffling programs nationally. I would say underachieving in my mind. They just have not, they just never, they seem to always, for the most part, be pretty good more often than not, but they just, they're sitting on gold mines and I don't know why they both don't have like just rooms full of national title trophies. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, um, I mean, at least Texas had Vince Young in a crazy special season to kind of ease some of those frustrations Georgia obviously <laughs> would kill to have something like that yeah it's true it's it's, it's been a while uh, now we'll go over to the uh, social media questions let's see here it's kind of hard to figure these out in order here uh, here we'll go start with uh, TJ on Twitter who's uh, got an interesting name human venipede uh, said over under 2.5 starting quarterbacks for Tennessee this season uh and he said the caveat, assuming Tennessee plays at least 10 games. So over-under on starting quarterbacks, 2.5. I would say under just because it's really hard to imagine they go through back-to-back seasons where they're juggling uh, so much at that quarterback position. Um, you mentioned the law of averages with uh, Georgia, and, and if they can get there enough, maybe they'd win one. Surely – uh, if Jerry Garantano has enough chances, he finds some consistency and figures it out and, and can hold on to a job or w- whatever else the other answer would be in this scenario. Surely, um, after all the juggling that happened at that position and all the injuries that played a part at that position last year, surely they could get a little bit luckier there with injuries and maybe find some continuity and consist- uh, consistency. So I, I would take the under. I'm going to take the under two. I'm going to say that it's two. I think there's a better chance that they have like three than they have just one because, you know, it's, it's almost like Tennessee just is just not going to get through a season with one starting quarterback. Now it's just like, it's just not going to happen. It it has not happened very often uh, recently for Tennessee for one reason or another, usually many reasons. So I think there's a better chance that it's three than it's one, but I think the most um, logical thing that I can think of is two. So I'm going to go with under. Uh, I don't know if that means that 
one guy starts the season and somebody else kind of just kind of sneaks up there and takes the job eventually or then they battle it out and they go with the hot hand or if like somebody gets hurt I I don't know what it's going to be but I would say that I'm going to go my guess um, would be two Uh, so I'm going to go with the under also question from Duffball how wide is the talent gap between Tennessee and the uh, four top 10 programs that they'll play in 2020 um, I mean, pretty wide still, I think, with Alabama and Georgia, um, a little narrower with Florida, uh, and probably uh, maybe a little bit uh, lesser with Oklahoma based on uh, all the stuff they lost. I guess I guess those are, the, those are the four teams that came to mind. I assume those are the four that's being referenced here. Yes. Uh, but I think it's two different categories, Alabama and Georgia, and then Florida and Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that t- Tennessee is doing – I think there's almost two college footballs right now. There's like those top four or five teams, and then there's like everybody else. And and I think Tennessee is is getting much closer and is narrowing, drastically narrowing the gap between themselves and most of the good teams in college football. I think that they've gotten themselves a lot better. They've caught up, I think, are starting to catch up with the teams that it's reasonable to catch up with. The problem is every single year those top three or four teams just can consistently – stack ridiculous class after ridiculous class after ridiculous class so can you say tennessee i mean maybe tennessee's slightly narrowing the gap but those other teams are generally getting more and more talented too so so that's um that, that's the tough part is that you play your schedule that you have to play for tennessee listen you're the only team in the east that has to play alabama every year that is what it is uh, historically that's a great thing i hope it never goes away but right now um, that, that makes it harder for Tennessee. That makes it harder for Tennessee to get where they want to go, which is closer to the top of the East. I think that they're, uh, even with, even with the, like the Floridas and maybe the Oklahomas and some of those teams, I think they're closer on teams like that. The problem is those, those, those top three teams in college football are just kind of recruiting on their own level right now. And, and that's why it's hard for me to say, are they closer because it's like maybe, but it's not because those other teams are getting worse. I think with your when you're Tennessee and you're you're trying to build um, every year, you're trying to obviously you know recruit a little bit better and play a little bit better brand football and have a little bit more depth and uh, a little bit of a better team. Just because you're recruiting better and just because your program's getting better, you're not making anybody else any worse. Georgia's still going to recruit the way Georgia recruits. It uh, doesn't matter how you recruit. Um, Alabama's still going to recruit the way it recruits. Um, it doesn't matter how good your class is. Alabama's going to be elite. Georgia's probably going to be elite. Those teams are going to do what they do. So that I think that's the problem. Um, you can try, you can try to build uh, as quickly as you can build, but those other teams are still going to be there. Uh, and until further notice, um, it's going to be really hard to challenge us. It's just going to take some time, and you're going to have to find something special along the way. Uh, the way some of the have. Yeah, I mean, you're not gonna, you're not going to necessarily beat them on the recruiting trail. So you have to beat them once everybody gets on campus. Uh, you, you have to, and, and I guess you could say that's recruiting players too, because you're, you're trying to recruit players who have that kind of upside to them too. But you got to develop guys. You got to beat guys. Um, you know, you can't just beat them on National Signing Day in the early signing period. You got to beat them the other 360 days a year. So I, I, I mean, I, I think that that there's. You can't really – I mean, you want to be a national champion. For Tennessee, you never – your goal never 
you know, the, the long-term goals never change. You want to be an elite program. You want to be competing for championships every single year. You have the facilities, you have the fan base, you have the tradition, you have everything you need historically in order to be great. So you do not need to change your expectations for the long-term at all. But I think you also have to look at it as those, there's those couple teams in college football right now that are just kind of lapping the field and you have to play two of them. You're the only guy who's got to play two of those three every year. And Hey, that, that, that is what it is. But um, you can't really worry about what they're doing necessarily. You got to try to compete with the other, you know, 130, 125 teams in FC, FBS. And you got to hope that by doing that, you get back up to, you know, that level of where those others are. I don't think you can. And a, yeah, go ahead. And, and a couple of things for Pruitt that kind of he, you know, is known for. There a couple of cards that he holds is an evaluator uh, and a player development guy. And, and you can do it all kinds of different ways. You don't have to do it the way Saban does it the way Kirby Smart does it. You can build your program however you want to build it. Uh, but the biggest selling factor, is, you know, you can talk about traditions and facilities and all that stuff and wins. It's all about success and how much you're going to win when you're there and how much you're going to get developed uh, to play at the next level. That I mean, that's what everybody's looking for is the quickest route um, from being a prospect uh, in college football recruiting to being a prospect in the NFL draft and winning as many – football games and being on the national stage as you can while you're in college. And I mean, the kind of the, some of the success stories that, you know, Pruitt's had, I mean, he had Levi Wallace on a zoom call. Um, I guess it was today, Monday. And he mentioned um, Levi Wallace is a guy that was a walk on for him and basically only played his senior year. Didn't really start until his senior year. And now he's, I think in his second year with the Buffalo bills as a starter, uh, you have to have those kind of success stories, those kind of, uh, development evaluation tools to get these guys to the next level. And if you can do that consistently, you're going to build a pretty good program. Uh, here, Big Orange Pruitt had a question about what the guys are doing with their downtime. Uh, any word? Are there any guys doing a uh, Rocky Rocky Top training montage? Uh, I've not seen one of those, but I would love to see one of those Rocky training. I, I mentioned a couple of days ago, I think it would be awesome to see one of those like uh, those Rocky training montages right about now. I think it just depends on uh, what you've got laying around your house because uh, obviously a lot of people don't have, <laughs> aren't blessed to have a full gym uh, at their house and, and you're just trying to figure out what's heavy uh, that you can lift, that you can get a good workout in. I'm sure I'm sure they're getting videos every day from the strength staff and uh, they, they check on these guys every day. Uh, wellness checks, I think, is what Pruitt calls it. So um, I don't know if there's a montage on the way, but I'm sure. Uh, to a man they're they're working and not just sitting around question from uh max fly fields uh on twitter uh best guess at 2020 starting quarterback for the tennessee volunteers uh, i'm gonna say the same answer that i've been saying and i think the longer that this this quarantine period the longer this uh social distancing is in effect i think there's an even greater chance that it's going to be Jarrett garantano uh i would agree and uh of all the struggles he had um in the 2019 season there was no struggle for him going into the 2019 season so he's a guy that knows how to handle uh an offseason and do the right stuff even if it is an unprecedented offseason and yeah i agree 100 percent. the more this shutdown continues the longer this Tennessee football team is spread out all over the country the more it favors uh the incumbent guys like a jared garantano a uh, question for Parks Buchanan. Uh, he goes, it's a hard life out here for a Knicks, Browns, Braves, and Vols fan. So tell me, when will the Cleveland Browns be good again? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I think a Braves World Series might happen before then, and I'm as pessimistic about a Braves World Series as anyone walking the face of the planet. Dude, the Braves have every piece in place. They're 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 getting the pieces in place that they need to do this. Their window's still wide open. The Braves are fine, man. They're Plus, fine. they had they had an elimination game at home, and they got down ten nothing in the first. Okay, yeah, that happens sometimes. Okay. They're not just going to hand you a World Series title on a platter. You got to, but you got to go there. Sometimes but, you have to wait a century, Grant. It happens. But I'm air quoting right now. They're fine. They are. They're going to be fine. That roster, man. Well, those I'm young just, guys. They're, they're 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 under. I mean, you know, because of baseball's kind of archaic wage structure, that those guys are locked in for a few years. Most of them at a really really good, really reasonable rate. Man, they're in good shape, man. They remind me of where the Cubs were at the very beginning of when they started their their window open and they got really, really good. They remind me so much of that because they're young, they're fun to watch, they're guys who have a ton of energy, they're really, really talented. Every day they kind of learn more and more about how talented they are. They're just a fun team to watch. Next question. Before, before you start crying, I think yeah, you're – yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're. I think that was a good time for your internet to start kind of crapping out because you were, you were going down a rabbit hole of emotion there. Next question from I am Trevor here on Twitter says, uh, let's see, uh, what is your favorite Tennessee game that you've attended? For me, in basketball, it's probably the one versus two game in Memphis. That was a really, really fun game. Not the most beautiful game ever, but just a really fun environment to be in. Kind of supercharged. A lot of animosity between those two teams. Um, that that was up there. And then uh, for uh, for. Football games, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one in the swamp. Maybe, maybe the uh, Dobbs nail boot game. Maybe um, the five overtime game in Tuscaloosa. Those would be the ones up there on the top of my list, probably. Yeah, I would go 2016 Georgia football. Um, I had left. I, I got up from my seat to go from the press box to field level. As Tennessee was recovering that loose ball in the end zone to go up, I think, 24-21. And as I got to field level, Malik Foreman was intercepting a pass along the sideline. and Everybody thought that was ball game with like two minutes left. Uh, And then Georgia did what Georgia did. And then Tennessee did what Tennessee did. Um, Basketball, probably the 2018-19 season, the SEC tournament semifinal against Kentucky. That was a great one. And probably. And probably the Sweet 16 game against Purdue just because of the intensity uh, from both both teams, both sets of fan bases in those buildings. Um, that was absolutely breathless um, kind of brand of college basketball. Really, really fun. Really hard to work that kind of game from our point of view. Uh, and yes. I'm sure probably pretty hard to perform in that kind of intense environment as a basketball player. Uh, but, man, it's, it's crazy to be a part of. Yeah, I, I had to try to get uh, for for newspaper deadlines a five overtime and a six overtime game that one of them kicked off like at night. So yeah, that, when you feel alive. Yeah, that was man that the six overtime Arkansas game was crazy. Uh, but also, I would say the um, uh, the one I did not mention. There's been so many over the years. I would say maybe the the uh, the hobnail boot game was also just a really great college football game. I know that that, that game didn't go the way Tennessee fans wanted in the end, but it, it was just a really there was a really I thought a really fun college football game to be a part of. There was a lot of big plays from both sides. Um, the kind of game kind of had a slow burn to it, but then it really got going, and it, it was a fun game. Uh, let's see here. Next question, uh, Joey Meyer one on Twitter says, favorite SEC away game restaurants? Oh, man. There's a lot. 
I should have been more prepared for this question. I think my favorite. You, I think my. You favorite, start. I'll formulate. I think my favorite might be is probably Archibald's Barbecue in Tuscaloosa. That one is way way up there for me. And um, there's a Cajun restaurant I believe named Rosie Baby in Starkville. It's also a, a place I enjoy going to. Um, and then there's a bunch of places in Athens. But but those those places I just mentioned, um, probably Archibald's is probably my number one. Um, I think going to New Orleans, any just any Cajun food there for uh, any any Baton Rouge trips is is next yeah. level. Um, what's the place in Gainesville called? Miapa. Yeah, that's a good place. The Cuban restaurant. The, that's the, good. The Cuban place. The food there is incredible. The coffee. It was a good um, coffee. Is is not from this planet. Um, that where ca- else? I don't. That, that those cafe, are the two that come to mind. Yeah, their cafe con leche went strong. It was really really good. I'll I'll give them that. Yeah, but th- there's so many in this league, man. There's th- that's a good question, and we probably should have prepared for that one better. So we'll do a better job next time, Joey, to make a list. But uh, I think Archibald is up there for for me at number one. Uh, question from Blabsies on Twitter. I don't know how you probably pronounce that. B L A B S E S. So, what's the most winnable game of the four toughest for Tennessee this season? I would. Uh, I was looking at this list, or I think I go Florida because it's a home game. Yeah. Um, I, I think Florida and Oklahoma are pretty similar because they're both early season tests and you're kind of trying to climb up a little bit to kind of where they are um, level-wise. But obviously you're going to Oklahoma the uh, second week of the season. If it happens on schedule, uh, Florida, you're getting them at home. Uh, you get Alabama at home, but obviously that's, that's still a very, very steep hill to climb. Uh, and you go to Georgia in November, um, which will be kind of a crazy shell shock, but that's a road game against the elite team late in the season. Who knows what either team looks like then, but I, I would say Florida because it's a home game and it's Florida. That's, that's the game where everybody circles the calendar and it's the craziest atmosphere. Yeah, Oklahoma, you know, this is going to be, you know, the first time I, I guess that, I mean, they're going to have a good quarterback because they always do, but uh, maybe not like a Heisman, you know, contender quarterback. Of course, I say that now they'll probably do it again, but you know, I think getting a team like that early in the season when they're in that transition might not be the worst time. Uh, plus, I don't know that Norman's that – I mean, it's a tough place to play, but I don't think it gets, like, crazy, crazy loud like some other places do. I, I just – maybe I'm wrong about that. But, I mean, it's a tough place to play, but I don't know that it's – it's not – it's kind of got some open concepts to it. It's not crazy. So, um, I would go in order. I would go Florida most likely, then Oklahoma, then Georgia, then Bama probably. That would be my guess. Uh, next question. Are you good with that, Grant, or was there? I'm on board. Next question. Next question. We'll wrap these up. We're getting to about time when we got to get out of here, so we're going to hurry up with these. Actually, the other question from Blabsies was, is it more likely for Tennessee to win one of those or sweep the other eight? I'm going to go with win one of those four. Then sweep the other eight. I might go sweep the other eight. I just think they got a chance. Just, I mean, just to be the contrarian. I think that's, I mean, either one, it's, it's a tough bet. It's a really good question because there's not an obvious answer either way. Uh, next question uh, from I Need a Winner on Twitter said, uh, in the season is uh, not if nine conference games, no fans, how many wins do you give the Vols? He said, if the, if the season's only the nine SE, if, if it's only the nine conference games and there's no fans in the stands, how many wins do you think Tennessee would have? Oh boy, um, six and three. That's probably what I would say. I would say six and three, um, probably with five and four being more likely than seven and two. But I think six and three would be where I would probably pick if that were the scenario. 
I mean, it, it circles back to Bama, Georgia, Florida. You got to figure out something there. Those are tough games to win. Um, but if you're going to obviously flirt with seven wins, you got to win one of those games. Okay, this is a good question. We're having fun with this. Justin Joseph on uh, Twitter says, "Fantasy battle of who takes who? Number one, Steeman Willie Beeman versus Lamar Jackson. Uh, the Sandlot Kids versus the Bad News Bears Kids. Rocky Balboa versus Mike Tyson, and uh, Ten Cup versus Phil Mickelson." Uh, the toughest one on this list is Rocky against Tyson. Yeah. Um, because Tyson seemed like a movie character, um, the way his career played out and the way he boxed. Um, I would take Lamar Jackson over uh, Stephen Willie Beeman unless Lamar is, uh, I, I guess, in a playoff game or, or playing the Titans. Apparently. Um, that was crazy. Um, Sandlot kids, oh, Sandlot kids uh, all day, every day. Um, yeah, I, think, I, I, I don't think the Bad News Bears kids had anything for um, for Benny the Jet. No, I would take Kevin Costner over Phil um, because Kevin's got the uh, Kevin Costner and, and Tim Cup's got the Waffle House um, stuff on his side. I really want a guy that frequents Waffle Houses over a guy that pretty sure Phil had a pretty white collar upbringing. Uh, I doubt he spent a ton of time. Uh, in Waffle Houses, and I really I have no idea on Rocky and Tyson. Like Rocky would stand there and take a million punches and go twelve rounds, um, but Tyson's not going anywhere either. So I, I don't know. And a lot of fights against Tyson did not go twelve rounds. Actually, I, I will say that that Kelly Leak was was a bad mamma jamma himself, but I still think Benny the Jet Rodriguez uh, would would find a way to to get it done. Uh, let's see here. Good question from uh, Jonah McCaleb on Twitter. Who would you like to see Tennessee schedule in football for a home and home series in the near future? I will go uh, right off the bat. Boom, Colorado. That would be cool. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about that stadium, but I love that stadium. Folsom Field's uh, awesome. I don't have a clue what the name of it is. Folsom Field. But, uh, Folsom Field. I can see it in my head. Thanks to NCAA like football video games over the years. I would probably go Notre Dame or a Southern Cal um, because those were cool home and homes from the past. So you got to go back quite a ways for USC. Um, or Ohio State. That's what, uh, if you remember me and you driving to Columbus for NCAA tournament, the, the thing that was sticking out in my head the most, that's a pretty easy drive from Knoxville to Columbus. Why those two teams haven't found a way to, to get on a football field and a home-and-home home is uh, pretty incredible. But any, any team you schedule that's that tough is obviously not going to make your life any easier when you're an SEC team. Yeah, they don't do a lot of the Big Ten ones because of the bowl tie-ins. So that, that's, that's, true. You know, that's, true. That, that's what makes it tough because they don't like to schedule a lot of those. But I mean, I've, I've Notre Dame Stadium is amazing. Notre Dame's campus is amazing. That, that I would never question if, if they did that every year. I think that would, I would never get tired of that. Um, but they've never, as far as at least since I've been around, they've never gone to Folsom Field. Uh, that's just a breathtaking place, kind of like the Rose Bowl is just kind of a breathtaking scene around it, kind of the view from up there, and it's it's kind of cool. Um, that's that's That would be up there for me for sure. Uh, that would that would that would be a fun one. And I guess we're not throwing Hawaii in there, but I wouldn't really complain about that either. Uh, next. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Andrew Chimenti. I don't want to – Chimenti, I don't want to mispronounce your name here. I apologize for that on the front end. Uh, which uh, Tennessee coaches or players would you most want to spend quarantine with uh, – I would say anybody, if it were just like a few days, I would say Wayne Chisholm. But if it were like a month, Big Wayne might be like last on my list. Because I think for a few days, Chisholm would be, it would just be like one big barrel of fun. And then after a few days, you're like, oh my God, one of us is going to murder the other one. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say uh, 
everybody I've ever covered. I don't know. Conzo would be a fun guy to kind of shoot the breeze with. He, he might be up there for me. If you were quarantined with uh, either of the current head coaches, Pruitt or Barnes, you could spend a lot of time just trying to sign them up for random social medias. Yes. Uh, like if you got Barnes on a TikTok and didn't really tell him what was going on. <laughs> just, I mean, you can explain, you know, it's like explaining a, a DVD player to your grandparents. You can tell them whatever you want to tell them and they're going to believe it because they have no idea what's going on. I think you could get away with something like that. Even Pruitt. Uh, you could you could get away with like a TikTok account and tell them it's a Zoom meeting, uh, and you got to do stuff like this. So that would keep it interesting. A couple more questions. One, uh, this is from a Bigzilla Charlie KP on Twitter said, "How big of an idiot do you think you are? That would take the entire show. It might actually. I think I'm, I'm the a pretty, world's biggest idiot. I'm I'm pretty honest about this. I'm an idiot. I don't make any bones about this. Like I am at best, at absolute best, an idiot savant." Maybe just an idiot, at best, an idiot savant, but um, I would say that. And then the second one, uh, this was actually one, uh, Grant, that my wife insisted on me asking in this episode when she heard that, that you were the one uh, doing this one with me. She said, uh, donuts or cinnamon rolls, you can't say both. Okay, this is a really, she's really hit on a sensitive subject here, okay? Yeah. Um, they both have a part of my childhood. Uh, mom always had the Pillsbury cinnamon rolls as like the easy go-to breakfast if she didn't feel like doing something else. Uh, so I had those a ton, but dad also liked to go to Krispy Kreme and, and get the, the glazed donuts when the hot donut sign was on. I think that's where my donut, um, obsession is rooted. Um, yeah, borderline I think I'm going to have to, I think I'm going to have to go dad over mom in this situation and, and go glazed donuts. Uh, I'm going to answer uh, basically, if it's a hot New Orleans donut from Gibson's in Memphis, I would take that every single day. If it's any other donut, while I love that, I would say a cinnamon roll. So I'm going to say cinnamon roll unless it's a Gibson's New Orleans donut. A, a Pillsbury cinnamon roll out of a can is about as consistent as you can get. You, but for donuts, it's got to be like a Krispy Kreme, the glaze lights, uh, the lights on, or like a shop donut. Or um, it, it can't be some crap you buy out of the end cap on the at the grocery store aisle. That, get that out of here. Give me the cinnamon rolls all day. But if it's a if it's a donut that meets my standard, I got to go donut over cinnamon roll. Do you not think there's a chance though that we've been to more donut shops than like anyone who doesn't work at Food Network or something like that? Probably, and you're welcome. I, I appreciate that, man. That's been that's been one thing. Two, two parts. Two parts. That was pretty good, man. Well, Grant, unless there's anything else you want to mention, we've kind of had a marathon one here. I'm going to clean this audio up. Is there anything else that uh, that you need before we get out of here? No. What should I watch next? Uh, the Wire. The Wire? Aren't they like 45-minute episodes? Yeah, but there's five seasons of it, and we're going to be on quarantine for a while. How many episodes in a season? I don't know, maybe 10, 11, something like that. The cruel thing here, the double-sided knife here, is I don't have a double-sided sword, I guess. I don't have a lot of time, even in the quarantine. I got to, I got to homeschool the kindergartner. I got to chase around the two-year-old. I got to try to do work. Um, I got to record a podcast every now and then. That, that's the cruel mistress here. Is I, don't, I still don't have enough time, even in quarantine. You know, my mom said about raising children, Benadryl saves lives. So do grandparents, but I can't even get grandparents here. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. And on that note, I think I'll let you out of here, man. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for the time. See you, buddy. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us 
on social media. As always, I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can also find all of us uh, on Twitter. If you just want Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7 or Facebook at facebook.com slash govals 24-7. Or if you want to get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water just right from the tap, right from the source, you can go to govals 247com and do that. we got a free trial going on right now, and later in the month we're going to have some, uh, some, some pretty sexy promos coming up. I'm not going to lie about that. Got some pretty sexy promos coming up. And uh, for now, anyways, uh, and, and, it might, and it may get better in the future, but right now, as long as you pay us full price, you get free access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform. Every CBS show, you get the entire catalog commercial-free. You get new movies that rotate in every month. You get podcast stuff. When sports come back, you're going to get live sports, NFL football, uh, SEC football. You're going to get uh, some uh, UEFA Champions League stuff coming up here pretty soon uh, in the next year, I think, when that contract kicks in. All kinds of awesome stuff right there on CBS All Access. So make sure you check us out at GoVols247.com. And I know this is a difficult time for everybody. Uh, just appreciate everyone sticking with us and uh, hope you all are staying safe at home. And last thing, shout out to everybody in the state of Tennessee and throughout the, the South who's had some trouble with the storms too, guys. Uh, if there's anything we can do, uh, just hit us up there at GoVols247. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.